Shalom. We are so glad you're joining us on this episode of Our Hope. We created this podcast as a resource for followers of Yeshua, where they can learn more about Israel, the Bible, and the Jewish community. Together, we discuss Messianic apologetics, dive into scripture, and hear stories from Jewish believers in Jesus. If you've enjoyed our podcast series, please consider supporting us at ourhopepodcast.com support. You could also help us by sharing this podcast on social media, talking about it with your friends and family, or by writing a review on Apple Podcasts. We are so grateful for you, and we hope this episode of Our Hope is both enlightening and encouraging. Welcome to Our Hope, a production of Chosen People Ministries. On this podcast, you will hear inspiring testimonies, learn about messianic apologetics, and discover God's plan for Israel and you. Wherever you're listening, we hope you lean in, listen closely, and be blessed. Dying is one of our greatest fears. Grieving the death of those we love is one of the most difficult and painful things we face. Especially in the aftermath of the October 7th massacres in Israel and the war that has followed it, we are even more aware of death and how it affects our world. Right now, our staff members in Israel are helping Israelis who daily face the threat of mortal danger as Hamas continues to send missiles into Israel. Our staff members also mourn with those who are grieving the loss of loved ones in this war. Since the fall of man, physical death has been an essential part of human experience. The question of death is more than our bodies ceasing to function. It's also about spiritual death, which has infected humankind. Today, we will discuss what the Bible says about death, how Jesus defeated death, and how believers should think about death. Thankfully, we do have hope. Last spring, we had the privilege of discussing this important topic with Joey Benami, a Jewish believer in Yeshua. He is a former Bible Institute professor and is currently a Master of Theology student at Dallas Theological Seminary. His areas of academic research include the Book of Leviticus, Biblical agricultural metaphors, and the study of linguistic and thematic allusions between the Hebrew and Apostolic scriptures. Since 2016, he has been the Messianic Rabbi of Sukkot Shalom Messianic Congregation in Arlington, Texas. Joey Benami, welcome to Our Hope. Thank you, it is a great pleasure to be with you. Yes, thank you. We're so excited to jump into this topic with you today. And it looks like you do a lot. You're a Messianic Rabbi. You're also now a student at Dallas Theological Seminary. So you're doing a lot of research and work. What are some of the hobbies that you do in your spare time? I like to do, for instance, I, I like to do a little cooking. Oh. So yesterday I was experimenting with uh, making coconut ice cream, my favorite flavor. Very nice. Um, so um, I, I feel like I'm making progress. And uh, uh, so, and, and then also 
you know, because I, I work on, on the Sabbath, on Saturdays, that's mm. my, my busiest day of the week. Right. I don't get to rest. Uh, so I do what, a, what some people call the Goy Shabbat, uh, which is Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the day in which I rest. So I was doing a little, making a little ice cream and then also playing a little guitar. That's the other thing I do. Uh, just doing a little music, uh, being creative that way. Oh, that's wonderful. Now, that ice cream, is that vegan ice cream with coconut milk? No, it had a little bit of, uh, I guess, uh, whipped cream a little oh, bit. So okay. it wasn't it wasn't only coconut milk. So. Okay, okay. I, I love vegan ice cream, so I was curious. I don't think I ever had it, but I'm not opposed to anything that is ice cream, so. Sweet. Well, uh, speaking of the Goy Shabbat and your work as a Messianic rabbi, what are you teaching on at your congregation? Great question. Um, I am uh, on the on the latter parts of a series on the Gospel of Mark, and uh, I wanted to go and hear from the founder himself. You know, sometimes we talk about uh, what this one says and what somebody else says, but I wanted to go straight and 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 study the life of Yeshua and his work, his words and his works, and. Uh, we we are entering into chapter 11 and i'm the way i'm doing it is uh, not so much looking at the trees but i'm looking at the forest mm. so looking at the gospel as a story so we're looking at the context the conflict and uh then the confrontation then we will which is where we're at the climax uh, when he enters jerusalem and finally has a, a confrontation with the leadership of the nation mm. in the temple um, and then from there we go into the consequence of of this confrontation. Obviously, he is going to die. Uh, yeah. And then we go into the conclusion, which is really a new beginning, a new normal, so to speak, which is the resurrection. That's our new normal that he rose and we get to live in him. Uh, so that's my approach to the Gospel of Mark. And uh, we're, we're having a, a really, really good time going through it. Oh, that's wonderful. And all of those themes tie in perfectly with the topic we're going to speak about today, which is death. So uh, let's jump into it. This might sound like a basic question, but we're going to start here. What is death? Excellent. Um, I think we, we need to begin with a, a preliminary answer and then circle back because what we're going to, to gain through our conversation is going to be context. Uh, you know, oftentimes you can, you know, you can pull up a word uh, uh, on a dictionary, um, but when you, when you experience what that word is, you know, what the subject may be uh, in real life, uh, emotionally, and, and you're, you're inside of it, then uh, you understand a lot better what some words in some dictionary may say, right? So, yeah. so let's begin with a with a preliminary understanding. But I think we're going to gain a lot of depth to come back to it at, at the end. So, uh, technically speaking, I see death um, as the ultimate enemy. That's what the Bible says. That's what First Corinthians fifteen says that mm -hmm. death is the ultimate um, enemy. And what's interesting is that. We conceive uh, when we think of the enemy, we immediately think of a person. We think of 
uh, Hasatan, Satan. Yeah. And it's hard to to then relate how is death an enemy? Number one, because you know, is death a person? Mm -hmm. uh, well, no. We need to get that clear. No. And it's almost like uh, I think we can compare it to a a, a principle. For instance, uh, we have an enemy inside of us. Those who uh, are believers in Yeshua, we have a, an enemy inside of us, which is actually it's called the flesh. Yeah. Uh, and uh, but the the flesh or the the sin principle, uh, they are not a person. They they are a principle. Uh, I can think also of gravity. You know, gravity is something that we can't escape. It's present. It's is invisible. But the moment you challenge it, uh, you're going to lose. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, that's that's a little bit of what death is like. It's not a person, but it's an enemy. It's a principle. Um, and and in generally speaking, uh, is the is is the absence of life uh but you know that's a negative you don't always want to define a term by what it isn't right uh, and but in this case when we define life as god's uh attributes his presence his person wherever he is whenever he is manifested there is life uh scripture is full of metaphors but they are all one way or another of of telling us what life really is emotionally relationally and in many other ways uh, and that is the vacuum that death is mm -hmm. so death is missing out on everything that is implied in god's own person and presence wow i've never heard it put that way before death is missing out on what God has, his person, his presence. Uh, that's really cool. So where does death come from? We read in Genesis 2.17, this is where God tells Adam that if he eats from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, in that very day he would die. But we know when we read it, Adam and Eve don't physically die that day. So in what sense did they die? Yes. Um, it in, in in one sense, death is a process, right? Mm. Uh, they began to die. Uh, in the Hebrew, actually, it's kind of redundant, but that's the way uh, the Hebrew uh, expresses uh, whenever it wants to emphasize a, a term or an idea. Uh, it literally says, dying, you will die. Yeah. And so it is a process of dying that began, uh, of dying physically, it began at that moment. Um, but but they were ultimately expelled from the garden, in which really was uh, uh, the first instance of of a place in which God was dwelling with man. So mm -hmm. a temple of sorts, a tabernacle of sorts, which really means His presence. And we know that He was in the garden in the middle of the day, walking with man, uh, with Adam and Eve communicating uh they lost all of that or at least a big emphasis of his presence was was lost to them there is also a relational death uh, mm -hmm. that takes place very clear they uh, uh, not only a relational but a psychological death I, I would put it that way 
because they began an internal conflict that was not there and that was never meant to be there an internal conflict uh with fear Mm -hmm. uh fear of god uh fear of admitting you know what i've done uh and so you need to cover yeah. Uh, the physical covering that they adopted was nothing but um, a mirroring uh, in the outside, in the physical of what was happening internally, uh, psychologically and spiritually in their soul. Yeah. Uh, and 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 it manifested in the relational in a relational death. You know, now there was blame, there was fear of one another, there was blame, man blame blaming his wife and she blaming the serpent mm-hmm. and. Uh, it was a mess. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so in that regard, we see death. They they began to die that very same day. Yeah. I like how you emphasize that there's different types of death because we often just think of death as a physical thing, but it is very much also a spiritual thing in this case and an emotional and relational thing as well. So thank you for explaining that. We're going to take a little bit of a break from the Old Testament. Right now, we're going to jump into the new. Um, We're going to talk about a key passage about death. This is in the Gospel of John. And we read about Lazarus, Jesus' friend who passed away. Um, It says in John 11, 11, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go so that I may awaken him out of sleep. This is what Jesus says. So Lazarus dies. He waits until after Lazarus dies to show up at the scene. What does this imagery of sleep that he talks about tell us about how Yeshua views death? Yeah, that's that's very fascinating um, because even in the even in the text it tells us that uh, his his body was already uh, decomposing, mm-hmm. and uh, you know uh, people can could smell it. It was he came in the, the fourth day, yeah. uh, and. Uh, uh, so you know what's what's happening there is what I call God's uh, emotional perfection. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know that uh, how he 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 lives in the present, and and we see that in the person of Yeshua, of course, uh, as as God's son. How he lives in the present fully, um, yet knowing the future, but not allowing the knowledge of the future. To affect how he he uh, he lives and relates to people in the present, but in in calling Lazarus's death uh, a sleeping uh, stage, yeah. it reveals what he thought of death. Uh, so we know he was fully dead. I mean, he was decomposing already four days, uh, so there there was no doubt about it. Um, so it's not like he's revealing that, well, he really wasn't dead. You know, he maybe he was in a coma. No, no, no. He was actually <laughs> dead. He was yeah. actually the Jewish people knew uh, how to prepare a body and when to uh, bury someone. So so in calling death asleep for one who believes, he reveals uh, how he sees death and um, the hope that is conveyed in that statement, right? That even though it's a true physical death, in the eyes of God, it is a momentary transitional uh, stage in terms of the body and and how he intends to resolve it. And yet, that didn't preclude him 
from experiencing the emotions uh, that he manifested uh, in the compassion he showed for uh, for his sisters, uh, Mary and Martha, the the way that uh, he played the whole thing out to teach his disciples and to teach the crowd that this happened for the glory of God. Uh, and, and ultimately calling in addressing Lazarus and calling him out of the dead. Uh, you don't speak to to something that is that is dead mm-hmm. um, unless unless you're not, you know, you're not all up there, you know, you're, you're psychologically <laughs> missing a screw or something. Yeah. He called Lazarus because he knew Lazarus was alive. Yeah. He he was not, his body and soul were not, I'm sorry, his spirit and soul were not in the body. No. The body was dead, but Lazarus was alive. And it shows in the fact that he spoke to him. He called him out to, to return to the body and he restored his body so that he could continue living at least uh you know, who knows, maybe a few decades more. And I just want to focus a little bit on what you said about how Jesus responded with compassion. Um, We just did an episode on the humanity and divinity of Yeshua. And this is one of those passages that really shows his humanity, how he emotes the way that we do. And so when he first shows up at the tomb, it says that he wept. What does his response show us about how we should respond to death? Uh, number one, it was a it was an emotional response. It was a human response, um, and it was a Jewish response. Yeah, uh, you know, it, it this was a already a process of mourning, a shiva of sorts, mm-hmm. as as we practice in uh, in Judaism, um, and it, it is a way to allow ourselves to slow down life, if not stopping it um, completely, and give ourselves the time to mourn mm-hmm. and to remember, to comfort one another. So in the, the act of him crying, which I, I don't it was not, he was not putting that on, you know, even again, this is what I what I refer to as his uh, emotional perfection, that even though he knew he was going to, to call him out of the dead, he still lived within the moment. And, and he was, he was shaken, he was moved, the text says he was moved to compassion Mm -hmm. uh, for what death does. So it wasn't only uh, the death of his friend, but what death does, this is God's ultimate enemy. And, and he could see not only that it took the life, of someone that was dearly loved, but he could see the the devastation that that it brings, and you know, in in through the loss uh, that they were all experiencing and mourning. So I think there was a there was a lot of depth in that cry, uh, not only at at the particular person that had died, but but at death itself. Yeah, I've heard that taught before, that this isn't just about one death, but about the fact that death even exists. And it's a reminder of the result of the fall and just the separation that it caused and the consequences that, you know, it brought about for us. And the fact that, you know, even the wages of sin is death. But thankfully, Lazarus 
because he put his faith in Jesus has eternal life. We're going to touch on that a little bit more in a bit. Um, But for now, we're going to talk about the defeat of this enemy, death. So many parts of scripture, including Isaiah, Hosea, and Revelation, describe the defeat of death. And the clearest of these statements is found in 1 Corinthians 15, 26, which I think you mentioned earlier. The last enemy that will be abolished is death. In what sense is death an enemy? And how should that affect the way we view death? Death, as we said uh, at the beginning, is is not a person, but it's a principle. Mm-hmm. And it's an overarching principle. It, it you know, it's it affects us all uh, 100%. And, uh, and, and it has been introduced, as you pointed out, through sin uh, in the garden, through Adam's uh, uh, introduction of disobedience. And so death affects us all. And in that sense, it's an enemy to us. It, it, it prevents God's intended purpose for us. Yeah. to be able to enjoy life to the fullest. Again, because death is not only the physical dying, but it is so overarching. I wanted to actually read the passage from this, from where this is taken. Yeah. Uh, and well, let me let me mention first uh, that in Isaiah 15, 54, chapter 15 and verse 54, at the end, that's where it quotes Isaiah 25. And when it says that death has been swallowed up in victory, mm. this is how God deals with death. And, and we may, you know, get a little more, a little deeper into that, but uh, he, he deals with death by eliminating it. So life swallows up death and that's how he deals with it. But the passage is taken from Isaiah 25, and I want to read a couple of these verses In Isaiah 25, uh, verse 7, it says, And on this mountain he will swallow up the covering which is over all peoples, even the the veil which is stretched over all nations. He will swallow up death for all time. That's where 1 Corinthians takes it, right? That's verse 8. But notice that uh, what he's going to swallow up comes from verse 7. It says that he will swallow up the covering that is over all people in the veil, which is, which is stretched over all the nations. So this is a veil covering the eyes. Mm. So spiritually speaking, death brings about spiritual blindness. Mm. People are unable to see this, the realities, the spiritual realities of this world, of God, of their own sinfulness and lostness. Uh, all of this is, is a veil that death places over them and it is through sin that's the way that this veil comes in we see that with adam and eve in the garden right a veil definitely came over them a veil of death that's one of the ways in which death manifested for them and and then it says that he will swallow up death he will swallow up this veil that death places on all of humanity and I find that interesting that it, it is making the manifestation of death very concrete in terms of a spiritual blindness yeah. that, uh, that we all experience and that we need uh, God to be able to, 
to remove it from us and the way he does it is through life so he swallows up uh, life swallows up death and that's how it is eliminated so um this is a an important aspect of death and in in terms of how it manifests and and ultimately how god takes it out of the way eliminates it and by taking it upon himself completely <laughs> We'll be right back. Shalom, friends. This is Mitch Glazer, president of Chosen People Ministries. There is a growing movement of the Holy Spirit among second-generation young adults, and we have a great ministry to these folks. There are hundreds of them. There's a beautiful commercial center, two and a half times the size of what we have now that'll seat over 150 people. We have space for children's work. We have space for a cafe. And so pray over the center. We'd love to have you come on a chosen people trip. But I know that you'll want to be involved in one way or another to help the gospel go out in power to Israel. To learn more about this new exciting project, visit chosenpeople.com slash Tel Aviv Center. That's chosenpeople.com slash Tel Aviv Center. Partner with us to bring the love of Yeshua to Israel today. Yeah, so let's talk a little bit more about that swallowing up of death. Um, so now that we know that death will be destroyed, what does that have to do with Yeshua's own death and resurrection? Yes, that is precisely the way in which God takes it, uh, takes death and it gets to be eliminated. Now, uh, in, in the intro you mentioned in my bio that um, I, one of my areas of, of study is the book of Leviticus. Yes. Uh, I have a nickname here at home. Uh, one of my kids named me the Leviticus nerd. Ooh. And uh, <laughs> I have been studying and, and diving into Leviticus uh, for over 20 years, actually. Wow. And, uh, and one, of the, one of the important principles that we learn in Leviticus is found in chapter 17, verse 11, where it says that, um, that God gave us the blood of, sac of all of the sacrifices. He gave us the blood because the blood has life yes. and it is life that makes atonement mm. and atonement is to to smear you know when atonement atonement is performed the blood is applied on the holy things let's say on the day of atonement it's applied on the ark of the covenant uh, and what it does is is it's almost like a detergent right yeah uh, you apply detergent to you know the dirty dishes and there are two things that happen there Number one, you cover it uh, with the detergent so that when you wipe it off, the gunk of it, the grease comes off. But when you smell the, the plate afterward, it has a, a beautiful aroma, right? It yeah. has the smell of the detergent. Yeah. Well, that's a two-step process that happens there. Something is wiped off and something else is infused in. Mm. And that's what blood does. So blood makes atonement by reason of the life. So life is the, 
I, I like to call it the active ingredient of blood. So life is what is infused on, you know, on the holy things of the Ark of the Covenant. It, it's infused with life so that death gets removed, gets to be removed, wiped off. So, so this is the principle. This is exactly what happened uh, with Yeshua's death at the cross. So when he dies for sin, he takes upon himself the sin of all of humanity. That's what Isaiah 53 talks about, yeah. that he took upon, our, upon himself the sin of all of us, and in particular, the sin of Israel. He yeah. took the sin of every Jewish person that's, that's listening to us uh, right now, uh, and, and by application of all of humanity. And the way the way it happens is that he 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 is blamed he he is uh, accused and falsely accused because he was sinless he never uh, committed a sin never spoke a, uh, an offensive word uh, never uh, committed a crime never went to a, the, the wrong place and said the wrong thing yeah uh, so he 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 takes upon himself the sin of all of humanity, uh, Isaiah says, the sin of, of us all and the iniquity of us all. But because he is sinless, because he is innocent, death cannot hold him. Mm -hmm. So death does not have the legal right to hold him because he's never sinned. Right. And so uh, he's not dying for his own sin. He's dying for the sins of others, of the many, of all of humanity. And so because of that, because sin, because death cannot hold him, uh, because he is sinless, then he, he, he gets to come back from death. He is resurrected. He comes back to life. And that is the issue of life, that because he is the eternal son of God, and because he never sinned, he takes the sin of everyone, and he gets to come back from the dead, on behalf of everyone resurrecting therefore he is the foundation and the reason why god is able to give eternal life to all those who trust in him who believe in in his death as the sacrifice through which god takes care of their sin uh, so we see there a swallowing up of death and an infusion of life on all those who believe that is the actual way in which uh, death is is taken care of, and and this is uh, fully related to Passover. You know, our, the season of Passover is just right. days away, uh, and that you know his death took took place on Passover. But but you know, even more even more so, uh, Scripture says that he is the he's the Lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. Yeah. So before the foundation of the world, God knew that he was going to die. God had already decided. Not only did he know, but he already decided that, that Yeshua was going to die. And they had already decided the day that that was going to happen. So Passover is a very important day, not only in the Jewish world, but it's an important day for God. Yeah. God is the author of this day. 
He is the author of this day in which not only did he deliver Israel out of Egypt, but in which he sent the Messiah to die for all of humanity and take, uh, take away this problem of sin. Uh, and so we get to remember and, and we get an opportunity to receive him in this season that is the most significant for, for Jewish people and, uh, and in which God took away the most significant obstacle for our redemption, which is death. That is all like blowing my mind right now. Um, I mean, we've done, we've talked about Passover many times, but I haven't heard it quite like this. Uh, just so beautiful that God, God already knew before Adam and Eve even sinned that this was going to happen. Nothing took him by surprise by any of this. Um, but he loved us so much that he already decided I'm going to take care of this. Um, also just speaks to his nature as he is just and merciful and so he couldn't just be like oh well they sinned and that's okay <laughs> you know like there are laws at play and it's just so intricate man oh thank you for explaining all that really really appreciate that and i'm looking forward to listening to that again when we uh we edit this um, so now that we have the opportunity to receive eternal life those who put their faith in jesus we don't have to fear death, but we still die. So if Jesus defeated death, how come people who believe in him are still dying? Yes, uh, believe it or not, that's, a, that's also a merciful thing. <laughs> uh, remember in the, in the garden, uh, when God makes a decision to, to expel Adam and Eve out of the garden, the way that God reasons is that, that um, to 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 put a, an impediment for so they wouldn't return to the tree of life mm. and eat from it and live forever in this sinful condition. Oh, yes. so so in a way, um, our bodies is and Yeshua speaks of this that in order for the for a grain to become a a a a plant that that gives life that feeds people it has to fall to the ground and die and um this is what we still have to go through so that for god to bring about resurrection we have to go through this uh to, through the process of dying through the process of death and it it takes it takes it takes spiritual it takes emotional and theological maturity to understand that this is a process that we still have to go through we don't get to go through it alone we don't have to go through it alone uh psalms speak you know says that that the death of his saints is precious to to god that's right uh not a you know yeshua taught that not a uh, a bird falls to the ground without the father knowing he knows all of the hair uh, on our head. So how much more would he take care of us 
in in such an important hour as um, our process of dying in the actual death. So that should give us a perspective that uh, death is but a transition, mm. and um, you know we 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 need to treat it theologically as such. It is a transition, but we are also human beings, and we need to approach it also uh, with the proper emotions that that it that it merits. Uh, to be in denial of the of of the loss of the emotional uh, component involved in in death would be to to uh, somehow deny the that this is you know the 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 emotional component that is present in death. Yeah. And so God does not want us to do that. And the example is that Yeshua Himself went through a process of mourning for a friend who died. Right. Yeah. Uh, he Himself did not want to die. You know, he he was in the garden praying to God. Is there any other way that we can do this yeah. <laughs> other than me having to die? Yeah. Uh, so perfectly human emotions, so raw and so real, mm -hmm. uh, to think of him uh, going through death in that way. Um, this is a. It's death is very real. It it's very painful, and uh, but God is always with us. And he's taking us by the hand and there is life that's i think that's the most important thing that on the other side of death there is eternal life yeah. and we always need to keep that it's, it's almost like we need to we need to allow the emotions to be expressed but never forgetting that the emotions is not what drives the, the train it needs to be the theology that drives the train so eloquently put Joey and uh sorry I'm getting misty-eyed over here this is my second time crying on this season <laughs> so it's been that kind of season we've talked about the Holy Spirit we've talked about hell we're gonna talk about heaven in another episode um really awesome stuff there uh just the fact that you even mentioned that the fact that we die is a merciful thing um because I think you know we often see the fact that they were cut off from the tree of life as judgment and it is just, it is absolutely just, but God is, God is always just and always merciful. He's never like just, just, and then merciful at a different time. And so in his justice, he was merciful in saying they can't stay living in this state forever. That's going to be misery for everybody. So let's yes. cut that off. <laughs> oh, okay. So, well, getting back into Judaism, and this is this is from the Hebrew scriptures, you know, uh, how does Judaism traditionally view death? Yes, um, in in Judaism is uh, is one of the most important uh, deeds, good deeds, mitzvah that you can do for someone is to is related to to death It's related to what you can do for a person who has died. Uh, and the reason is that they can't do anything for you any longer. Yeah. So 
whatever you do um, for a person who's died is going to go unrewarded in this life. They cannot even thank you <laughs> for yeah. it, right? And so that's one approach. That's one way in which uh, uh, Judaism sees death. Um, there is also great honor uh, in terms of the human body. I don't know, you may have seen and in, in our audience may have seen how a crime scene is taken care of in, in Israel. For instance, you know, when there is a unfortunate a, a terrorist attack, a bombing right. or something like this, we see people combing in search of their remains. They are going to co collect and gather the, the physical remains of a person because of a, a, a profound value for life and for the for the physical body mm -hmm. uh, you know judaism uh was not uh, deeply affected by the dualism of greek uh, philosophy uh, in which you know the the physicalness of the of the body is bad yeah. and the spiritual is good uh, we unfortunately in the Western world we we have that dualism more marked, so we to do. speak. But but Judaism was not as marked by that. It, it it did you know Greek religion did and Greek philosophy did have an impact on Judaism, uh, but fortunately not so much as to affect this uh, this view of the body, the physicalness of life, uh, and that's that's another root uh, of. Uh, the way that uh, death is seen in Judaism, uh, there's, there's of course, the, the hope of life, uh, you know, that a person is not, is not um, um, totally uh, annihilated, that there is life, there's an afterlife. Uh, the whole world owes that to Judaism. Uh, all of the, in all of the other religions, uh, you are, you are finished after you 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 die physically. Uh, only those who have some sort of root in in Judaism uh, have this idea that there is an afterlife, and therefore um, there is something beyond the the physical death. But but in terms of the physical death and and the care for the body and uh, those things are they are rooted in. In an appreciation of the physicalness of life, which as a good thing, not as something that is secondary or some somehow evil. Wow, there's a lot we can learn from Judaism in the way that they yes. care for the dead, and uh, I think you kind of answered this next question. So I'm gonna rephrase a little bit. So when looking at the way Jewish people care for the dead. Um, how is that reflected in the practice of sitting Shiva when somebody passes? Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, so the the mitzvah not only is directed to toward the person who who passed, but it's also uh, directed to to those who are mourning their past their passing. Yeah. And so it is a a coming around, uh, a a lending a shoulder of support. Uh, intangible ways, practical ways of uh, providing and and, and just uh, making presence. Uh, 
you know, we see this in, we see a biblical example of this in the book of Job. You know, Job's friends, they come and they sit with him, with him without saying a word for seven days. Yeah. Uh, which is where the word Shiva comes from, uh, from the word seven. And, um, and then unfortunately, after that, they opened their mouth and the things <laughs> they said were not very comforting. No. So that's a, that's an example also on what not to do uh, when you, when you visit someone who's uh, had a death in, in their family, whether they are Jewish or not. Yeah. Um, it is, you know, it, it is a time to be wise and sometimes being wise, it's just not saying much. Um, but it, it's a way also of caring for those who are mourning and being sensitive and just being being there for them. It's a it's very meaningful. Um, not only in Judaism, but it's it's very meaningful for for anyone. Yes, I wish I could see more of that today. Uh, recently, I heard about a funeral where the family had the wake, the funeral service, the burial, and the reception all in one day. Wow! And I can only imagine how emotionally wiped out everybody was at the end. And you know, when I was a kid, wakes would last at least two days, sometimes even three days. But I feel like every everything is getting shorter and shorter as the years go by. It almost makes you wonder, by the time I'm old, are we still even going to have wakes? And so I think we can take some notes from Judaism and and look at the practice of sitting Shiva and, and maybe incorporate some of that into our own lives and slow down a little bit, take some time to reflect and, and honor the person who has passed. And one thing that uh, I failed to mention was the fact that uh, part of honoring uh, the physical body is by not practicing uh, the, uh, you know, incinerating, disposing of the body by incineration. Mm. Uh, that is, that is a no-no in Judaism. Oh, wow. Uh, you do not wish, you know, for that to be done to you. That is, that is not a, uh, something that you aspire to do because you have a hope of resurrection. Yeah. And so the the preservation of the body, not that God cannot put it back together. You know, you can think of someone who dies yeah. at sea, mm -hmm. uh, you know, or even uh, there we mentioned those who perished in the Holocaust. Yes. Uh, God has the ability to put our bodies together. That's how amazing. I mean, he created it out of nothing. So uh, he has the ability to put it back together. But uh, from our perspective, um, to honor the physical body that, that God created, it's also part of that worldview um, of appreciating the physicalness of the body and, and life itself. That's wonderful. So as we look at the, the, the promise of eternal life that we have because of Yeshua, how should followers of Yeshua think of death? Yeah, um, we have a, uh, a specific instructions in First uh, Thessalonians uh, four and five that uh, you know Paul says that we we do not mourn like those who do not have hope, and um, that is a, a an implied uh, sanction on the fact that hey, it's okay to mourn. Uh, it's okay to to feel the loss 
of a loved one, you know, especially when someone dies young, uh, when they leave, you know, children, young children, things like that. Um, it's very painful. And uh, it is appropriate to to mourn and it is not recommended that you hold that back you know that you hold emotions back you uh, it's the manifesting the emotions is it's part of processing uh, the loss and and what it means and even honoring the person who's passed uh, but in doing so we need to be very careful that we um, because remember according to Isaiah 25 death places a veil on on all of humanity, even Hebrew says that we lived our lives uh, uh, in fear of death, yeah. the entire life in fear of death. Uh, so this veil of fear, this veil of lies, of veil of, of um, uh, obscuring spiritual realities, we need to fight that. We need to fight back. You know, yeah. we, we do not need to fall into the traps of, of of lies regarding death so we go through the process with truth uh, with hope as paul says uh, we understand the theology of it and that's why i uh, i mentioned earlier that we need we need to be spiritually emotionally but also theologically mature yeah. uh, that what drives the the train is our theology that's why theology is so so important that uh, uh you know in, in understanding in in a proper understanding of theology is our hope and as we mourn with hope then that the meaning of that is that we we have a good grasp that can center us and and give us a a good foundation for us to be able to mourn yeah uh knowing that uh, Ultimately, we have hope and we have a firm foundation in the truth. We also have Yeshua's own example, right? Not only the words of Paul, but we have Yeshua's own example that we've referred to. How he, um, not only with uh, Lazarus, but in other occasions, you know, when he went into the room to and resurrected the little girl that had died, yeah. uh, as he was entering into the house, he said to the crowd, She's not that she's sleeping. And the crowd was even making fun of him. Of him. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, but guess what? He came out with her. <laughs> and uh, it's that perspective uh, of death, you know, that it is but a sleep for those who, who know him. Um, not a denial, but it's the reality that we are still alive uh, and our loved ones are still alive and um you know it helps um i i actually my wife is actually she was a, a young widow and she was widowed at 38 mm -hmm. uh, and um, she had a couple of kids uh, a 15 year old daughter and an eight-year-old son and uh i you know i step into the picture uh, a year later and uh, and became stepdad and we've had many talks about their dad and um and you know sometimes is um the way that the children relate to the memory of their dad mm -hmm. is what they remember of him while he was alive yeah. uh, so they remember you know the good but also the bad uh, yeah. as we are all imperfect right yeah. 
And for us, and for me, I've always taken it upon myself to bring about the fact that he is not who he used to be. That um, right now he is looking at things uh, from God's per uh, perspective as never before. Yeah. You know, how he is worshiping uh, nonstop. And, and so all I use, I use uh, those things in practical ways to help my stepkids to process through that and understand who their dad is, uh, to remember him not only for uh, what he was, but also for who he is yeah. in the Lord and, and where he is at right now. And that's a very practical way to bring theology to our everyday and guiding our emotions. That's right. As we wrap up, um, now that we know that we don't have to fear death, how should a biblical view of death shape the way we live? Yes, I think uh, uh, it's it's humbling on, on the one hand. It is humbling. Uh, you know, it's, uh, I, I am, uh, as I'm inching towards uh, my 60th birthday, uh, oh, nice. I still remember inching to my 16th birthday. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I remember as a young person thinking, you know, I knew that I was going to be 33 in the year 2000. So, you know, you grew up with the, the thought of the year 2000 and, you know, is the world going to end or what's going to happen? You know, are we going to have flying cars or who knows, you know? <laughs> um, so, and, and for some reason, I was never able to think beyond the year 2000. I don't know why. I didn't even realize it, oh, wow. but it was like, I could never see myself beyond being 33. Um, and in a way, that was me thinking that um, death wasn't a very real possibility for me. You know, like, uh, uh, I'm going to make it to 33. That's not even, you know, that's not even a question. You know, that's, uh, but there are many people who do not make it to 33. Yeah. Um, and so I think it's a little humbling, in a, but in a, in a healthy way that we need to we need to live with the understanding that uh, um, it could end uh, not with the fear but with the understanding with the uh, admission that yeah this is uh, i'm not going to be so prideful so as to think that uh, this is never going to happen to me and i think that affects you know the way that we uh, approach life you know for instance uh, uh, when i was young I was very daring. I was careless with, you know, if there was something daring that, uh, uh, you know, a group of friends were that we were thinking about, hey, you know, you know, I wonder, you know, who who would do such a thing? And I would jump in first because I was like, I'm going to do it, not because somebody else did it, but uh, I'm going to do it. I won't be the first one to try this crazy thing. Oh, man. You know, <laughs> uh, that's probably a little, uh, that was foolish and uh, that was prideful. <laughs> I, I could have died uh, on more than one occasion. Uh, very, I remember very specific things. Um, and um, so I think it gives us a healthy uh, humility to realize that, you know, we are mortal uh, and we need to be careful uh, in our decisions and the way we drive, the way we eat uh, and things like that. 
um, but also never, never, never being so paralyzed by death that we don't get to enjoy life and that we don't get to do things that, hey, you know, it may put us at risk. Uh, you know, at times the Lord may ask us to do things that may put our lives at risk. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, uh, in my 20s, I, I, get, I got to live in a country in which, in which there was a lot of terrorism. And uh, in my family, uh, you know, I wasn't married at the time, but my, my extended family, they were, at times, they were a little nervous, you know, when they would hear the news and things like that. But I knew it was, it was what God wanted for me. So the fear of dying definitely did not stop me from being in the place and doing what God wanted me to do. So there's a balance to be had between a healthy humility, uh, a respect for death, uh, but also doing what God is calling us to do, even if it involves risk. That's awesome. What you said just reminded me of a quote I once heard, which is, the safest place you can be is in the will of God. Yes. So. Joey, thank you so much. Uh, thank you for lending your expertise to this episode. And there is a lot here. And I think our listeners are going to be very blessed by this episode. And I think they'll walk away with a better perspective on death and life. So thank you. It's been a great pleasure. And thank you for the opportunity. Uh, I've enjoyed it. As believers, we do not need to fear death. Spiritual death, that is alienation from God, has no power over us. Physical death, though sad, is temporary. We will be raised in bodies that will never again decay. At the same time, appreciating God's gift of life should keep us from idealizing death or see it as a way to escape. We hope this conversation has encouraged you and amplified your confidence in living for Jesus. Let's conclude with what Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 53 through 54. When this perishable body will have put on the imperishable and this mortal will have put on immortality, then will come about the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on Apple Podcast or a rating on Spotify. Let us know how this podcast has moved you. We would also love if you could share it on social media with your friends and family. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Our Hope featuring Joey Benami. This episode was produced by Nicole Vaca and Grace Swee, written by Rachel Larson and edited by John Bautista. This episode was also created thanks to Dr. Mitch Glazer, Kyron Bautista, Nathan Scherer, and Robert Walter. I'm Nicole Vaca. Until next time.